All right, everyone, we're going to try a new format for marketing school. It's a reaction format. So Fridays, Neil and I, we're going to spend even more time on this podcast. We're going to spend even more time together, right? Because Neil is my business wife or business, whatever you want to call it, business husband. You can go either way, right? But bottom line is we wanted to try this new format because we wanted to bring you kind of um, trending topics related to business and marketing and then how we can eventually help you tie it back to your business to help you grow as well. We thought this would be a nice format to um, experiment with. We don't know how long this is going to go for. Um, Neil, do you want to add anything before we jump into things? No, let's dive right in. Okay, so cool. So we're going to, we got a couple subjects. Um, I'm going to talk about, everyone likes talking about uh, chat GPT right now. There's a couple developments going on. Uh, I, this was on my list to bring up. So I'm going to set the stage for this one and then Neil and I can go back and forth. And there's actually some, uh, Neil sent me some pictures as well that he wants me to share. So I'll go ahead and do that. So high level this week, as of this recording, um, Zapier just came out with their chat GPT integration. So basically you can go in Zapier and you can, you can go to chat GPT, sorry. You can ask it to do things. You can ask about your leads. You can say, hey, like, where did this lead come from? Or, you know, who is this Neil Patel lead? And it'll automatically connect with your HubSpot or like 5,000 other apps. So I think we're going to see a lot more practical business applications that are coming out. Um, that is one thing that I'm super excited about. The other thing that came out, I believe, this week as well. I don't, Neil, did you see this Bing image creator? Did you see that? Uh, no, I did not see the Bing image creator. You want to share it and show us? Yeah, so the Bing image creator, so I'm just going to, um, here it is. So Bing image creator. So basically now you have to sign in to Bing. Okay, so I'm going to log into Bing. I'm going to share my screen real quick. Give me one second. So give me a second. Sharing screen now. Okay, here we go. So sharing and here we go. So it's not the best thing. Like I, I put a, like I, I put a prompt here saying like, you know, show a picture of Neil, Eric Sue and Neil Patel podcasting during medieval times. And so this is what it, this is what it picked up over here. Um, right here. It doesn't quite look like Eric Sue and Neil Patel, but, um, it, it, it kind of is moving in the right, at least it got the medieval times and podcasting piece. I think it would just need to like insert our, our faces in here. So, yeah. Dude. While you're sharing the screen, should we actually move up the Midway Journey too? Because Midway Journey is very similar to this. You want me to share the pictures that you sent? Yeah, share the pictures. So one of my buddies, uh, Chris Sams, funny enough, who's my CPA, really amazing uh, tax strategy, not just really a CPA, but a really, really amazing tax guy. Um, and he was chatting to me the other day and he's like, dude, Neil, you know, I could have been an artist and he started showing me some images. I'm like, what the heck? These are really good. And I knew right away he generated them through AI because he's a CPA and doesn't have a artistic bone in his body. So Chris was like, check this out. I'm using mid journey. And he's just like, I typed in lion King with the golden crown wearing a black tuxedo. I think it says AK resolution, smooth eye catching style of photojournalism, uh, photorealism, black background. And it ends up just spitting out a really amazing image for what you type in. And there's actually a lot of them. Like here's another one, lion face silhouette, put in a Savannah jungle sticker. I can't read what the other word is. White background. There you go. White background style of Christopher. Rell I don't know who that is. Yeah. So that then be the um, style back here that you see. That little silhouette. 
Exactly. So then when you look at it that way, and it gave him multiple variations because he wanted versions of it. And he got four variations of it. And you can actually pick a different version, which is really cool. And here's another one. He wanted, I forgot what artist style this was, but he wanted to showcase a tiger in black and white uh, using a style that is really well known from one specific artist and ended up creating that. Uh, and he just has many variations. There's another one that's really cool about an astronaut and a seal. Oh, and it says astronaut outer outer space 8k colorful gas ne uh, glass nebula or gas nebula um surreal galaxy high resolution smooth i can you can see it all on the screen here but what's really cool about this is whether you want to create a panda in a tuxedo or otter or fish or whatever it may be or a kid with ginger hair playing an arcade game uh with 3d rendering when you think about that that's just crazy how specific you can end up getting. Imagine how much easier this is going to be for marketing. Whether you're creating a website or whether you're just creating landing pages or social media images or you need images for, uh, what is it called? Like videos and stuff like that. It's surreal. Like it's just crazy to think about. And here's another thing that Chris ended up doing. He took the images then and then he ran them through Google image search because you know how you can do a reverse image search to see if there's any other images that are duplicate. And it came up for each and every single image that he uploaded, zero results, meaning there were no, uh, there was no copycats, right? So in essence, it was somewhat unique. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't plagiarized or it was plagiarized. That I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but it was unique when you did a reverse Google image search. Yep. So I, I just want to add to this piece. So basically, you can become a designer now, right? It's um, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of you know copyright law stuff that you probably don't need to worry about as a marketer. As of right now, just let the lawyers worry about that. Um, but also, you know, recently Neil and I we spoke at a at a SaaS conference in New York, and one of my sales guys was there, and uh, his name is David. And, you know, he wrote me, he, he, he gave me this outreach email earlier today. He's like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about sending to the attendees, right? Um, and so I, I took a look at it, and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I, I dumped it into chat GPT-4. Uh, so I said, rewrite this email to make it more conversational and funny. And, um, you know, it made it, so in, I'll, I'll just read you the first two lines of what he had originally, and then I'm going to read you the two new lines that um, GPT-4 pumped out. So GPT-4, basically, the context for everyone is, the idea here is they have, trillions of data points to pull from whereas gpt 3.5 had billions of data sets so it's a pretty massive difference i think the next step would be like quadrillion right i think that that's 1000x of a trillion if I'm, if I'm correct there um but i digress so originally the email said hi david i understand you are at SAS open which is the conference and i hope you're able to attend my talk if not i wanted to pass along my slides here's the link feel free to hit me up if you have any questions okay it's kind of boring, right? And so I was like, okay, you know, rewrite it, make it more entertaining, make it funny, okay? And so now the first couple lines says, hey, David, word on the street is that you, uh, sorry, word on the street was that you made it to SAS Open. Um, you know, um, great to have you there. Although I hope the coffee and pastries uh, didn't distract you from the main event, aka my talk. If they did, I totally forgive you. Coffee is life after all. But no worries. Here's the link to my slide so you can catch up on the, all the knowledge bombs I dropped. So it's a little more entertaining. I wouldn't say it's super funny, um, but then it goes into a little more detail and it's, it's a lot more conversational that way. So point being is, you know, something that we've been talking about with AI for the last couple of months is that it's going to save us a lot of time. And I think it's going to add a lot more creativity. But GPT-4, I remember when I when I logged into ChatGPT, I, I asked 
So I used ChatGPT3 and I said, hey, show me some creative compensation plans for like, you know, um, you know, operations employees or something like that, right? And it gave me something, you know, some high level stuff. But when I went into ChatGPT4 and I asked the same question, it got really detailed. It gave me a lot of examples. And I said, give me advice like you're a billionaire. And it talked like it was a higher level, right? So I think we're going to see a lot more detail there. So all that to say is is for the, the purpose of this, and we can move on to the next topic here, um, is I think this is going to be really exciting. I think, Neil, the thing you shared was mid-journey, correct? You wanted to yeah, that was mid-journey. But the, but the one thing for everyone to keep in mind as a marketer, when you think about AI, a lot of marketers are worried about AI replacing them. Don't worry about that. What you need to be more focused on is if you uh, if you don't focus on learning AI and leveraging it and getting really good at using AI within your workflows, you will then be replaced as a marketer. Understanding and knowing how to use AI is a very valuable skill set as a marketer and it'll make you more in demand and more people will want to hire you. But on the flip side, if you just stress about AI and be like, oh, we don't need it, you'll quickly find that people will replace you with other marketers who understand AI in the long run. Actually, one thing I wanted to add, so Neil, you weren't with me. You, you were at another meeting during this, but um, at lunch, I actually met the the founders of Surfer SEO. So I, I can't go into too much detail here, but basically they demoed a new uh, AI product that they're creating. And the whole idea here is if you're if you follow SEO or content at all, um, there's the whole idea of having to create um, you know, topical clusters, right? So, you know, it, for example, like Neil and I both have ad agencies. So we might have clusters around like, you know, digital ad agency. We might have one for SEO agency, for CRO agency, whatever. And then you have um, a lot of topics that are tied to these. So, right, you have different trees and then you have different kind of roots that tie to them. And then they all interlink to each other, right? That's, I'm trying to simplify it right now. Now, the good news with um, Surfer now is they will actually, if they're trying to build it to a point where they will help you research these topical clusters. And not only that, they'll instantly pop out the articles and they'll be unique and they'll be like three, 4,000 word articles. So I tried it yesterday for a little bit um, and I can't go into too much detail because they made me sign like a friend DA, but it pumped out like a 4,000 word piece um, very easily. And um, I liked what I saw. I, I think it's, you know, 70, 80% there right now. I think there's more work to be done, but eventually so, the whole idea would be for them to like link to each other. So, so, so let's back up here, Eric, right? So Surfer SEOs, their new feature is going to help you create pillar content at scale. You want to end up breaking down to everyone what pillar content is? Yeah. So pillar content, let's use another example here. So um, Neil actually had a, a site, uh, a page on his old blog before that ranked number one for the keyword conversion rate optimization. One of the reasons it ranked so highly, so everyone wants to rank highly for keywords, right? Was that that one page started with what is conversion rate optimization. So it was like the overview page, like the mothership, right? And then he had like 12 other chapters on, you know, conversion rate optimization, um, you know, tactics or whatever, you know, strategies and like, you know, um, evergreen stuff. Like basically he had all these chapters that they interlinked to each other and they interlinked to the mothership. The whole idea behind creating a pillar piece of content is that Google sees it as, um, or any search engine sees it as a more complete piece. Um, and it's more, it's not just like one article, right? It's multiple pieces of, of, of data and um, it answers a more question, the, the question more completely. And it helps with kind of that whole, you know, each, uh, which is what expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. Um, you can tackle yep. all of them with one. What Eric's pretty much describing, a way to think about pillar content is think of it as like a subsection of your site on just one topic. It's not a new site. It's not a subdomain, just a subsection of your site on one topic. And it goes so in-depth that Google's like, oh, wow, 
this section's only on online marketing or this section's only on SEO or this section's only on email marketing. We should rank it really high because it's the end all be all for that subject. And it's done in a very organized way where someone can read it, digest it, understand it, and know everything about that topic and not have to look anywhere else. Or at least in theory, that's what they're hoping you end up creating. So if they can help you end up creating pillar page content at scale, one, you'll save a, t- a lot of time because what you'll find out with the pillar content is it takes a long time to write it. You're not talking about two, 3,000 words. When you have four, five, 10, 12 different linking sections within there, and each one is a few thousand words, you're talking about the length of maybe a small book, right? 15, 20, 25,000 words. That's a lot. And if they can end up helping you write a lot of that automatically and link it all together in a way that's done uh, for a user to really understand the content and digest the information, what you'll find is that user experience will help those pieces of content rank higher in the long run. Now, where I find this really useful is A, it helps link everything up and create the pillar content for you. So that way it's doing it in a very organized fashion. And B, you can constantly use AI to keep it up to date because a big ranking factor that a lot of marketers and SEOs forget to talk about is if your content isn't continually updated, at least your key money pages, what you'll find is they'll slip in the rankings because there's already tens of millions of results and in some cases, hundreds of millions of results for almost all queries. Google's good at drowning out the crap. They only rank, you know, let's call it 10, 20, 30 results that are getting all the traffic. And those are the important ones out of, you know, up to a hundred million or even a billion plus results. So they're already good at saying, hey, these are the ones that really matter. You need to keep your content continually up to date if you want them to be in the top spots. And using AI to help you keep your content fresh should save you a lot of time too. Yep. And by the way, like when I started in SEO, uh, maybe 13, 14 years ago, I remember there were a lot of these tools out there called article spinners, right? And basically these are tools that will basically take an article from a page and basically change up a couple words and you can rank really well on Google. The way I see it now is like the tools that are available, they basically allow you to do that. It's it's like, you're not even trying to game Google anymore. You're just trying to provide more value to people and Google themselves. They have said they've changed their guidelines. They're like, before they're like, no, AI content is not allowed. Now they're, they've, they've stepped back and they're like, you know what? Um, As long as it helps human beings, like we're good with it. Right. And I think that's how it should be. Like we've talked about this on the pod before. Um, It doesn't matter if a human being builds your home or a robot builds your home. If it's a good home, that's all that matters. So that's very, very true. And people tend to forget that, right? And and Google said, we don't actually care if the content's written by AI or a human. We only care how good it is and valuable it is to users. So that's the key. They're not trying to be like, oh, this is AI content. We shouldn't rank it. Or this is human content. We shouldn't rank it. They're more so concerned about, did this give a user what they're looking for? Yep. I mean, we're in the middle right now of trying to ramp our content and, you know, just using kind of regular humans right now, we, we think it's going to be like, you know, adding 10 more articles a week or something like that. But um, we believe with the augmentation um, of kind of using a surfer or like any of these other tools right here, um, I think we're going to see a lot more output. It, it could go up to, you know, uh, by a magnitude of three to four X. And so I'm not saying, oh, everyone should go publish a bunch of content, but my bet, here's one of my bets right now. And, and keen to get your thoughts too, Neil. It's my bet is that we're going to see a huge influx of content. We've been seeing a huge influx of content and the sites that have strong domain rating or domain authority or the sites that are covering brand new uh, topics, they're going to reap the rewards for the next couple of years. And then I think we're going to see the the way we, we do search. I think that's going to drastically change. So 
Now let's move on to our next topic. You want to talk about the Bitcoin bet? Yep. So I was actually debating with Neil yesterday on whether this makes sense. And so keen to hear from everyone um, if you got any marketing value from this one. So this is a trending topic. Um, actually, the, the another two, two famous podcasts today, I, I, this week covered it as well. But uh, Balaji Srinivasan, so he's a really smart guy. Um, well, was the CEO. And, and before, before you really dive into it, while you're doing that at the same time, break down how it relates to marketing. Cause you did have a case on uh, what people can learn from it. So uh, just think yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to break down Balaji first and then I'll break down what he did. And then Neil and I kind of had a debate last night through text. And this is where I think there's a marketing angle. So uh, Balaji Srinivasan, he is, um, he is a tech entrepreneur. First and foremost, he worked at Andreessen Horowitz for a little bit, uh, was the CTO of Coinbase. He co-founded a couple of companies, sold them. It's a really smart guy. And um, he actually was the guy, basically, in January of 2020, he called COVID, right? He was making all these threads, and then people were saying, like, oh, my God, you're just hyping everything up. You're like an alarmist or like a doomsday person, right? Um, but virtually everything he called was correct. And throughout the next couple of years, what he called, uh, usually when he would call things, like, he was correct, right? And people were like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's time to start listening to this guy. Now, recently, um, he he tried to post something on Twitter, okay? So... Let me just back up a second, and Neil, you tell me if I'm going too fast here, but um, just to reset everything right now, we know that in the last couple of weeks, as of this recording, five banks have failed. I think it's five, right, Neil? Something like five. I don't know how many banks. I know SBB, uh, there was another one in the US, was it Silvergate or something like that? I could be wrong on the name. Signature Bank. Credit um, Suisse. First, First Republic. And then you know who's no, in trouble now? has not failed yet. And they okay. may or may not fail. You know who's a problem? Uh, you see this morning? Deutsche Bank. Yes, but they're saying Deutsche Bank is much more uh, healthier and shouldn't be as bad. But either way, I think we're at three or four banks. Maybe we'll get to five. Either way, it's still a substantial amount of assets under management. Yep. So the reason we're bringing this up right now, we know this is not a financial podcast, but the whole Balaji is trying to sound the alarm again like he did with COVID in 2020. That's all he's trying to do, Okay. So when you posted something on Twitter, it basically showed the bit signal, which is like the bat signal, right? It showed it kind of in the top right corner, like a bat signal, right? Um, and he's like, you know, I'm going to be, be donating this. It's just like really convoluted. And so that post didn't do that well. He was basically trying to sound the alarm with that. Now, uh, I think uh, like a week or so or a couple of days later, someone wrote a post saying, I will bet anybody a million dollars that hyperinflation will not happen. So he quotes that, retweets and says, hey, I'll take that bet with you. And eventually it becomes this bet where he's just saying, I'll put $2 million on the line, basically saying that Bitcoin will reach 90, well, sorry, will reach a million dollars per coin in 90 days. And that just took off and that let him, you know, to go on all these different podcasts and the impressions on that post like completely blew up too. And so my point of saying all this is your messaging matters. When your messaging is too convoluted and you're trying to, trying to say something, it's like not going to take off. But if your messaging is like, I think that Bitcoin's going to reach a million dollars in 90 days, all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, like stop for a moment and it, it just blows up. It's also if you make big, bold, polarizing statements, it also does really well in marketing. And this is just a prime example of it. If it's something that you have some people who believe in or want to believe in and you have a lot of people who don't, it creates something that's polarizing and it causes it to spread. Now, if you can do that with your marketing, which gets a little bit tricky, but if you can do that without pissing people off, um, you're onto something. It's just, what is that thing? 
Yeah. And so, I mean, you have, there's a couple of things, right? There's curiosity, right? Something saying, saying something outlandish or saying something that, you know, people desire or saying something that people like fear, right? You can tug on a lot of these emotions at the end of the day. Um, what I will say, and then we can, we can wrap this one up, um, is Blasi you know this, he knows this is not a good bet. Like $2 million is a lot of money. And like, if you are in theory, probably not a lot of money for him. It's not a lot of money for him. Yeah. But I, if you really thought this was the case, like you would just, you know, go buy, go buy like 40 Bitcoin or however many you would buy. Right. He's trying to make a point here. And this is not a winning bet. Like logically think about it. This is not a winning bet. Like whoever's he betting, he's betting on the other side. They could just hedge against this and they cannot lose. So think about that. He's trying to do good for the world, but people probably call him like a crazy person. Um, you want to talk about any of these other ones? Um, let's start talking about video podcasting and how they're becoming big now. By the way, we don't have to cover all of these. I'm just, these are just all ideas. So yeah, like, no, I want to cover video podcasting because okay. that also brings in our collab with my first million. Okay. But yeah. If you actually look at some of the most popular podcasts right now, you'll notice that they have a video format. It's blowing up a lot. Like, for example, I listen to the all in podcast, but I don't actually listen to the podcast version. I always listen to the video version more. So watch the video version and I'm listening to it at the You're same time. Like you just leave it on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because on an iPad, you can actually minimize it and put it in one of the corners and you can make it smaller. Uh, if you have the YouTube app while you're browsing around and doing work on your iPad. Yeah, Neil has this weird skill where like he can watch TV and work and also listen at the same time. I just can't do it. So anyway, keep going. Yeah, but like if you're going to be creating a podcast, do it in video format. You can repurpose that data. You can put it on the social web. Um, and if you end up doing that, you're going to get more play than if you don't do it. So just do it. Um, and that also leads us to our... Uh, collab that we're doing with my first million and we're not doing this to plug my first million we think it's an amazing podcast by the way but it's more so so you guys can learn from it and do the same thing with your own podcast because it's actually the quickest way to grow a podcast right now from what we've tested eric you want to break down how we're doing and how other people can replicate the same thing yeah before we do um real quick and i'm going to share some numbers around the um how the, that promotes going right now but um, I basically I pulled up this idea because um, I was reading something recently about how, um, to Neil's point, a lot more podcasts are tying in YouTube. And, and that's why we're trying to grow our YouTube channel as well. Um, so please subscribe to us there. But the whole idea here is now that podcasting videos is an untapped opportunity, right? So I'm just reading the quote here. Like, if you don't have a video asset attached to your audio format now, you're leaving audience on the table and you're leaving money on the table. So if you get, let's say you get $50,000 a month on your podcast and you have 50,000 views on your YouTube, like those count as your impressions. And you can ultimately tie that into, you know, if you want to sponsor, um, if, if you want to sell more impressions to your sponsor, right? So that's the opportunity and I'm air quoting and the way we're going to, I believe the way we're going to grow to 5 million views a month is, is solely off of you using the discoverability on YouTube shorts and also long form too, um, because I do believe the content that we're putting out is pretty good, but maybe I'm biased. Um, so that's that now moving over to the, my first million collab. So, um, earlier this week, as of Monday, Sam actually started, um, so let me reset. My first million is a popular business podcast hosted by Sam Parr and by Sean Peary. And um, basically on Monday, um, our ad, our, they were basically, they basically started to promote us and sort of like check out marketing school, right? Um, and we started getting a bunch of new people um, kind of discovering us, right? So that's another way that we've been growing this. And so um, I will say though, Neil, 
that's only happening on audio right now because they can dynamically insert it. Um, that hasn't quite happened for video yet. Um, but what we can say is all in or my first million, they're growing really quickly on YouTube. Um, so that's something we can speak with. Now I'm going to share some numbers here too. Um, we're not done with the promotion yet, but if you ever do a podcast share, I'm going to share a tip with you on, on what we're doing right here. Um, this should probably be a standalone episode, but we use a tool called Chartable. And the whole idea with Chartable is that they have a feature called Smart Promos. And Smart Promos allows us to collect, connect our podcast with the My First Million podcast, and then we can see conversion data. So I can see on my dashboard right now, I'm going to share my screen right now. Um, you can see this. And all right, you can see this, yes? Okay. Great. So um, you can see how many impressions we got so far um, or how many times we've been mentioned. So 226,000 times. Converted devices is 800. So we've got 800 unique downloads so far, right? That's the conversion. This is the device conversion rate. Um, ideally, we want this to be higher, like maybe like, you know, 0.5% or something. But the, the promotion's still running right now. So um, my point of showing you this is that if you want to promote your podcast in the future, you want to do like a read and you want to be able to track kind of how well the promotion is going, use Chartable, use Smart Promos, and um, it, will, it will be one of the tools that will help you grow. But everyone I know who's growing their podcast really fast, the simplest way they do it is either advertise on other podcasts, which costs money, but it works. Or second, you can, and when you advertise another podcast, make sure the audiences are related. And the second thing is they do collabs. So it's either one or the other. We prefer collabs because it doesn't cost money, but you can do either strategy to grow your podcast faster. Yeah. And by the way, this helps us too, because um, we're going to be promoting them, but also like now people will know that we're open for business. So I think we'll also be not only be able to promote on other podcasts, but also on those podcasts, YouTube channels too. So um, stay tuned for that. So Neil, I, I saw you just add one. Do you want to cover that one? Yeah. So uh, I got an email today from one of my guys saying, I got to go and pay for the Twitter blue check mark. I've had the Twitter blue check mark for years. I don't even know when I got it. This, this was the what does a blue sound for verified accounts or something yep. like that? And I know people are like, Oh, I want that. Cause it means I'm an influencer. It doesn't really mean much just being super honest. Um, I haven't noticed any differences from having a check mark on an Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. But one of my guys told me, Hey, go pay the 80 something dollars a year. And the reason being is they sent out the announcement saying in early April, they're going to remove existing Twitter blue checkmark users. Uh, in other words, you're going to lose your checkmark if you didn't upgrade. So if you have a checkmark and you want to keep it, you don't really have a choice other than to upgrade. I thought that was really smart because checkmarks have been around for a very, very long time. And yes, you can make money by charging all the new people who don't have checkmarks. But where I believe the real money is, is you actually go back to all the old people who had them and be like, it's going away unless you pay. And like, man, I've had it for ages. Might as well just pay the hundred bucks or whatever it is a year. You know, I think what's interesting here is um, we've talked about how everything is becoming an ad network. So if you're like an Uber or you're, if you're the Lyft you, you, or a Target or whatever, Walmart, you're like, you're selling ads now, right? Like DoorDash, you're selling ads. Um, now, this is a little different because Twitter, which is an ad platform, they've now sassified it, right? So they've added subscriptions to it. So you're basically like, to me, it's just another monetization model. Ads, that's a monetization model. Adding a subscription, that's another monetization model. And now... You know, you look at Instagram and Mark Zuckerberg has kind of taken taken it too. Like your blue check mark doesn't mean anything anymore. Like you can buy blue check marks also on Instagram too. And he'll likely follow suit uh, moving forward because it's just going to be more added revenue and just for adding, you know, um, I'm oversimplifying, but adding a couple new features. Yep.
Um, and on a last note, something that we wanted to cover was TikTok. If you haven't seen what's happening with the U.S. regulators, it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican grilling the TikTok U.S. CEO. He's getting hammered. And uh, the big takeaway that I got from this, curious to hear your thoughts. I know there's some people that did studies saying, oh, the, the, the biggest gainers from this, if TikTok is banned in the U.S., is going to be like, Facebook and Snap and Google and it's like no crap. They're social networks. Every social network is going to benefit from it that have similar features to TikTok. But here's a crazy thing that I believe is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to get banned in the US or not, but if it does get banned in the US, I believe a lot of other countries will follow. TikTok's you can't use TikTok in India. If the US bans it, I believe a lot of other countries are going to start following suit. Maybe not within 30 days or 60 days, but within 12 months after the U.S. bans it, if they do in theory, then you'll see a lot of other countries follow suit because there's a lot of global tensions with Russia, China, um, and a lot of countries don't necessarily like them. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's all politics. I try to stay away from politics, Um, but I believe a lot of others will just follow suit. And you'll see the Facebooks of the world grow much more because of it. And I bet you they're rooting for TikTok to get banned. It'll help them a lot. Yeah. I mean, here's what I'll say. Still right now, 75% of advertisers are planning to increase their TikTok spend. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, you still have reels, you still have shorts, right? You still have one of the others. um, But uh, I, I... it would be sad to see TikTok go away, but I understand, you know, they're saying, you know, national security yeah. and, and all that. So um, I don't want to get into politics here, but, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't look too promising right now, just on the way they handled that, um, you know, the the kind of I, I watched like a like a short segment of it yesterday where the guy was getting grilled um, by uh, by senators and um, they did not let him off yes, the hook. And, and he was saying, yes, people in China, engineers do have access to the data for their work, which the senators or the, the government did not like, or the politicians that represent us. Um, the one thing I would be sad about if it goes, and again, I'm not, we're not saying it should be banned or it shouldn't be. That's up to regulators and governments and politicians. That's not Eric and I, but we can acquire users on TikTok for like half the cost that we can on Facebook and Instagram ads. So that'll be the sad part for marketers. If you if you haven't started leveraging TikTok ads and you're in e-commerce, you should jump on it right now. It's dirt cheap. I, I think it like what's interesting about TikTok or any of these shorts platforms is that discoverability, like organic discoverability, I think TikTok is probably the best. And um, I have a friend that built his business. I, I think he does 20 million a year selling courses. And basically his entire funnel is driving people from TikTok um, to his Instagram and through his Instagram, you book a call and then you pay like a couple thousand dollars for a course. Right. And so he, he's never run ads before. He's a, he's a one employee, like a, a one, like a one man business. He doesn't want to, he, he said he doesn't want to deal with the headache of employees. Right. Um, you know, take it for what it is. And, um, I think that's like the beauty of it. Right. So it, it'd be sad for that to, to go away. But I do like, like I have a, there's a guy that reached out to me recently. Like I teach at USC once a quarter. And, um, last year there's a, there's this guy, he reached out and he's like, Hey, like, I think you should be doing this, this, and this. And he wrote out these entire scripts. And, um, I still think that the world is going to continue to, you know, have short form content blow up. So, you know, whether they get banned or not, I think it's still a thing. So you just, you know, continue business as usual. You don't need to worry about this. Yep. Well, we appreciate all of you guys listening to this episode of marketing school. We know it's a little bit different than what we normally do. 
But what Eric and I would really appreciate if you want to keep this going is leave a rating and review. We want to know what you guys think about the longer form uh, episodes of Marketing School. And this is really our first reaction type of uh, podcast episode that we're thinking about doing at least once a week. But let us know if you enjoy this and the ratings and reviews on all the podcasts, uh, players and apps or whatever, whether it's the iTunes or uh, Spotify, it all helps us give feedback on how we can improve it. So we'd really appreciate if you did that. Hey, we don't care if it's one star or three star or five star. We've been getting a lot of one stars. Give us more, right? Uh, seriously. Well, uh, but yes. It, and it's not about a one star or five star. It's more so we are looking for the feedback on how we can improve. And that'll help us create better episodes for you guys. Yeah, what I'll say is if you can drop those in your ratings and also put your email in there. Um, again, we did promise before, um, you know, to, to pull some lucky winners to do like a live Q&A for some questions. Um, so please do that. Put the rating. It doesn't matter what star you put. Just put your email in there. Or you can just um, DM me directly on Instagram. I'm going to share this as well on Instagram and then I'll tag Neil and then just hit me up because um, I check DMs probably more frequently. So um, that is it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. And then uh, if you guys like it, we will continue it. It it is more time for us, but uh, this is a labor of love. So that's it for today. And we will, we'll see you in tomorrow's episode.